Hey baby, how was your day? Oh, you worked really hard today, didn't you? Here, let me take care of you. You don't have to worry about anything else tonight. I'm going to take care of everything, okay? Yeah, just sit down. That's it. Put your feet up and lie back. Yeah, that's it. Wow, it's really coming down out there, isn't it? You got in just in time. I love the sound of a good storm. It feels so cozy and nice in here, doesn't it? <laughs> Can you smell dinner? Yeah? I've been cooking all day for you. It was a lot of work, but well worth it. I wanted to make something extra special for you. So you know just how much you mean to me. If you'd like to hear the rest of this erotic meditation and many more naughty stories just like it, then visit harleyrabbit.com. Use the code GIRLFRIEND at the checkout to get this meditation, Doting Girlfriend Takes Care of You, for free. Offer available for a limited time to listeners of this podcast. harleyrabbit.com Turns out I'm into it. Into it. Hey, hey, friends, it is Harley Rabbit here back with another episode of Turns Out I'm Into It, the show all about helping you discover your kinky self and live your best sex life. I am recording this episode about a week in advance because I'm planning to head up to the Atherton Tablelands next weekend. Well, this coming weekend. Anyway, um, to go visit my mom. She's just bought a house up there and I'm really excited to see it and spend some time with her. Slade is coming too. It's been a while since we've had a little weekend away together. So I'm really looking forward to doing that. Um, but I thought, I don't know if I'm going to have time to get the podcast recorded between um, like over that time period. So I thought I would do an episode in advance. The topic for today's episode is basically a Q&A. This is something I've been wanting to do for quite a while now. I spend a fair bit of time on FetLife chatting to people in their um, DMs and I get lots and lots of questions from people all the time and I thought all of this stuff is going to be really helpful to my listeners on my podcast. So I've grabbed a few common questions that I get and um, with people's permission, I'm I'm not going to like I will share the question, but anonymously. Um, I won't tell you who asked it, but I've got their permission to share that question on the show. So I've picked ones that I think will hopefully be the most helpful. Question number one is, do you feel conflicted sometimes by where your boundaries are with some kinks? The short answer to that is yes, absolutely. I think my whole kink journey so far has been consistently asking myself this question about where my boundaries are, what am I comfortable with doing right now? Um, what would I like to try doing in the future, but maybe I'm not ready to do just yet? Um, that can be a really valid question to ask as well. Depending on what your kinks are, um, some kinks are more socially acceptable than others. Some kinks can feel like they're in a bit of conflict with your personal values um, or cultural values. So my biggest kink is consensual non-consent play um so that one took a lot of work for me 
to feel comfortable or to understand it enough to feel like it's ethical for me to play in that space. Um, So that took a lot of learning and research. And I do encourage any of you guys listening to research your kinks. Um, I think you'll find out like a lot of people think that they're weird because we live in a world that portrays sex in a very narrow way. Um, All the movies have a very particular type of sex that is presented. Um, But in reality, that's only yeah one very narrow representation of what people are into. And chances are, whatever you like, lots of people out there like the same thing. And they've probably had these exact discussions about having to understand what they are and aren't comfortable with exploring. Um, So doing some research can be a really valuable first step in understanding your kinks. A lot of the time, once you get that understanding, you will, that will alleviate a lot of the shame that you might have attached to it. Another thing I recommend is trying to separate your personal beliefs from your cultural beliefs. So as I said before, we live in a culture that has a very narrow perspective on what sex, what kind of sex is appropriate. And if you're into something different than that, you might have a lot of voices in your head telling you that, oh, that's shameful or not okay. Um, A really common example is um, heterosexual men that are submissive and they feel like playing the submissive role is not masculine because that's not what our society teaches is acceptable for men. Another really common one, which we talked about in much more detail on last week's episode, was for feminist women who are submissive and they feel like their submissiveness in the bedroom is in direct conflict to their feminist values. So this takes a lot of reflection and self-awareness of like separating what is um, a, a cultural belief and what you believe is true. So my advice here is to do a bit of um, maybe I like to use journaling because I'm such a journaler, but I know that's not everyone's thing. Um, but just trying to understand the voices in your head that are telling you certain things are shameful. Are they is that your real true beliefs or is that something that you've been taught to believe? For example, I had a lot of voices in my head that told me that sharing my face in my photos on FetLife was really dangerous and it was really like a cheap thing to do and it's something that I'll regret in the future. So I I knew that I wanted to post those photos, but that was what was stopping me. I had these voices in my head saying, don't do that. This is dangerous. This is risky. This is not okay. Um, And to get, to make that decision about whether that was a boundary for me, posting those photos was a boundary for me. I had to really unpack those thoughts and understand where they came from and whether, like, do I believe that posting naked photos of yourself on the internet is something that is, cheap that I'll regret that'll make me look cheap and when I looked at when I really thought about that I realized well no me for me posting those photos feels really empowering my values are really around sex positivity and body confidence and for me posting those photos felt really empowering 
it was just a cultural opinion that I'd been taught that I would actually regret that decision in the future. Now, I can't tell the future, but it's been, I don't know, six months since I started posting uh, photos of my face on my FetLife profile. And honestly, I would never look back. It is, it has been exactly what I thought it would be, really empowering for me. Not saying this is the right decision for everyone, but the point I'm trying to make is about being able to separate the things you've been conditioned to believe and the things you choose to believe. That's where you're going to understand where your value, your boundaries are. The last thing I wanted to say about boundaries, and I'm just realizing, I thought I could answer this in like, I don't know, 20 seconds, but here I am just ranting on for, I don't know, how many, five or 10 minutes about it. Um, but it turns out there's lots to say about this one. Boundaries is a big topic. Um, but I would recommend using the traffic light system, traffic light system as your safe word system. So sometimes, um, like a lot of people will have a safe word that's just like their stop word. Um, and we use, we don't use the word stop because that can feel, well, I mean, you can use the word stop, but, um, if you say stop during sex, that can feel really confrontational. It can feel really hard to say that to a partner. Um, so having a, a code word can help that feel a bit more comfortable and less confrontational, if that makes sense. Um, and also if you play in the, if you like to play in the space where you, you're playing with consent, um, consensual non-consent role plays, then stop doesn't necessarily mean stop. So we have a safe word. Um, so lots of people might like to choose a fun word that is um, maybe um, something that's like a bit of an in-joke that can like break the tension or make it feel not so serious. Um, so maybe you really hate anchovies. So anchovies is your safe word. Um, that can just make it fun and playful and it's easier to use that word. Um, so that's one way of doing it. But I recommend the traffic light system, um, which is green, yellow, red, or orange, or whatever word you prefer to use. Um, and the reason why I think this is so effective is it because it's because of that yellow. It's it's because sex is rarely black and white. Um, it's not always obvious to us where our boundaries are, and having a word that can convey that so easily, like that, this is a we're getting close to a boundary or I'm not sure here, proceed with caution. That Having a word to represent that makes it so much easier to communicate, um, to communicate your boundaries and what you're experiencing. Because you might be doing something and feeling a little bit like, oh, I don't know. Um, like say you're doing some impact play, for example, and your partner's going a little bit hard and you're like, oh, I, I don't want to say stop because I'm having fun. But I feel like this is a lot and I don't want it to get out of hand really quickly. So I can say yellow to let that partner know everything's okay, but maybe don't push it too far too quickly because we're approaching my boundary here. Another thing that's great about the traffic light safe word system is you don't have to apply it purely to scenes. You can also apply it to... Um, Say you're, say you're in a relationship and you want to 
maybe experiment with opening up the relationship, but you're not sure how that feels. Both of you want to give it a go, but it feels a bit like, I don't know where my boundaries are. Um, So you can use safe words like this traffic light system to quickly communicate things like, for example, you're going to going to a party you don't know what's going to happen there might be other well there's going to be other people there and there might be an opportunity to play um you don't want to say like you could say red I don't want us to play with anyone else tonight we're just going to just going to the party is enough that's where my boundary is but maybe you're like I really want to go to the party I'm really curious if if we feel both feel really comfortable and there's the right person and the right opportunity comes up Maybe, like, I don't want to say no, we can't take that any further. I don't want to say red, but maybe we could say a yellow because right now I don't know where that boundary is, but if we say play at this party is a, a yellow, that means we're both aware that we need to check in with how each other are feeling. We might be approaching a boundary there. Um, and that way it's really clear to yourself and your partner as to how you're feeling. It's really good for these situations where there isn't a black and white clear boundary of a yes or a no, but you need to be able to communicate that this is a grey area. And having being able to play in that grey area with a bit of caution or that yellow area, um, it gives you the opportunity to figure out where the boundary is together. Does that make sense? Hopefully that was helpful. I feel like I spent a fair bit of time on that question. Um, But yeah, lots to talk about when it comes to boundaries. And I feel like the whole experience of kink is your boundaries are constantly moving and shifting as you become more and more comfortable with different types of play um, or maybe something's happened and you're not feeling as confident as you would normally feel boundaries are never set in stone so always check in with yourself and always communicate those boundaries as best you can with your partner all right question number two I really want to do more rope stuff with my partner but I don't know how to bring it up we did some in the beginning and it was really fun but he doesn't suggest it anymore and I'm too shy to ask all right so this is a question about being able to communicate your desires with your partner um, but feeling a little bit unsure of how to do that and I think as women particularly submissive women that can be really tough because you're maybe you don't really like to take initiative maybe you don't like to set the make the suggestions Um, this is something I struggle with a lot like the minute I have to initiate sex kind of takes away from it a little bit for me um but that can be really difficult for Slade who like it's not fair to put all the responsibility for making decisions on him and he's not a mind reader he doesn't always know if and when I'm up for it or what kind of play I want to do so it is important to be able to have these conversations that said it can be really difficult the other thing that can be really tough um and I am answering this from a female perspective um but I know it was a female who sent in this question um but I think for men as well but I think particularly for women it's really easy to take those signals as rejection so if your partner 
is showing a bit of disinterest, isn't really in the mood, doesn't really want to play with you. Like maybe you were doing lots of rope play in the beginning, but not so much now. It's hard not to take that personally. It can feel like because of the way our society is and men are meant to always be up for sex and always keen to do all those kinky fun things, um, when that isn't the reality that we experience, it can feel very personal. It can feel like that partner is not really that interested in us or doesn't want to do that kind of thing with us anymore. And that those feelings can lead to a whole bunch of anger and frustration and resentment and build up and turn into big fights. So we want to avoid that. Chances are it's not the case anyway. If your partner isn't initiating sex or kinky play, um, it's probably more likely that it's not you. It's probably that they're a bit tired or they've got something else going on at the moment that they're not really feeling in the mood. Um, And if they're not initiating kinky play, that I think is, I'm going to generalize here, but I think for men, sometimes the sex part can be like the physical part can feel more important. Not always. Um, But they seem to be more easily satisfied, put it that way. This, In my personal experience, I'm not speaking for all men here, but in my experience, I think men are generally more easily satisfied with the physical act of sex. So sometimes the kinky play isn't as important to them and they mightn't realise how important that is for you to get in the mood for sex. Women, I think... Again, super generalizing here, but speaking from my personal perspective as a woman, it's the psychological part of it that's the most important. Like you want to talk about foreplay, it's not about getting oral or getting touched or fingered or playing with my boobs or any of that. I mean, all of that can be fun, but the most arousing part of sex and for and the foreplay is the psychological part. And that's why doing something like ropes can really help you get in the mood. And I think that's why a lot of women are into being tied up by their partner. It feels really sexy and it helps them get into the right headspace so that they're ready to have sex. Now, knowing this is one thing, um, but communicating it is another. And I know it can be really difficult to have these conversations with our partners, especially if we're feeling dissatisfied about something in the bedroom can be really hard to bring that up we worry that a partner might get defensive or angry um you don't want to start a fight so I think picking your moment is really important I would suggest saying to your partner hey I really want to have a chat with you about some bedroom stuff don't worry it's nothing nothing's wrong we don't have to like don't stress about it um I've just got some stuff I'd like to try and maybe ask you about how you'd feel about it. So is there a good time that we can sit down and have a talk about this when we're both in the right headspace? If you say something like that to your partner, first of all, you're committing to making it happen. Um, So you're not going to be able to put it off and avoid it. Um, But you're also giving your partner a bit of a heads up that they need to be um, in a receptive headspace for this conversation And you can then pick a day and a time to have that conversation with a bit of warning. So it means like 
you know, you might say, all right, after work Thursday, we're going to have a chat about this or first thing Saturday morning over breakfast. I don't know, whenever time works for you. But by not having that conversation right here, right now, you're giving each other a bit of a heads up to get in the right headspace to have that chat, um, which is going to make you a lot less likely to be defensive. You're going to be a lot more receptive to hearing your partner um, because you're going into that conversation prepared for it. Now, Slade and I take this to the absolute extreme. Um, We are big fans of the the Big Bang Theory um, and Amy and Sheldon's relationship agreement. So we actually have a monthly relationship meeting where we first Saturday morning of every month, we sit down and we talk about all this kind of stuff. So sex is one, but it might be health, finances, housework, whatever it is. Um, And because we've got that designated time to check in with each other, first of all, it happens. So we know we're having these conversations regularly. Um, But we're also prepared to have a bit of a difficult chat. And we're going into that conversation knowing that our partner might bring some stuff up that's going to be a bit hard to hear. But we are hearing them knowing that they love us. And they're telling us these things because they want to make the relationship better. Now, that's not to say that these conversations always go smoothly. Sometimes they're really tough. Um, But I think having those set times to talk to each other, like time that we've set aside to have these kind of chats, means that we're far less likely to be caught off guard and have a big fight about it. Question number three. With degradation and objectification, I'm probably on the curious spectrum. I'm not entirely sure how it works. I'd say I'm more on the dom side of things, but where would you suggest someone starts? All right, objectification, degradation kinks are super common, um, but they're notorious for making people question whether they're um, ethically okay. Like if, if you're on the submissive side of it, it can feel like it can feel wrong to want to be degraded in that way. Um, And on the dominant side of it, it can feel wrong to want to degrade someone in that way. You start to think, my God, am I a monster? You're not a monster. Um, These are really common kinks in BDSM and can be extremely healthy and fun. Now, as I said at the start of this episode, when we were talking about boundaries, first thing to do is just check in with yourself and figure out where your boundaries are. With objectification, there is a big cultural uh, belief that objectifying another human is wrong. And it is <laughs> in like in a um, real life context, but in role play, not so much. It can actually be really fun for both of you. So have a bit of a think about where what you're comfortable with exploring or not. Um, And as I said, those boundaries can change over time. A good place to start is, like if you've never played in that space before, is to start with porn. If you watch porn, um, have a look at some of the objectification type porn that's available. See what is exciting for you. See what feels uncomfortable for you. That's going to be, like give you a lot of information as to what you're wanting to explore right now. Seeing some examples of how you can 
play with objectification. So there's lots of different ways you can do that. It can be um, something as simple as degrading someone with calling them nasty words like you little slut, you little whore um, or you sissy or whatever it is. See what words resonate with you. That can be like a good place to start because words are um, can be quite powerful but there's no there are low that's a low risk type of play you know not likely to you might I guess you could emotionally harm someone with words but if you know if you've communicated this with your partner um, I wouldn't spring this on them out of the blue definitely have a chat about what they're comfortable with and not comfortable with as well um, but if you have a, that negotiation beforehand um, you can feel reasonably comfortable to try out some some names and see how that feels without anyone getting hurt. Um, but there's all sorts of different types of that kind of play. Another example is like to put something on your partner's head, like a, a paper bag or something. Just make sure that they can breathe, please. Um, so taking away their face can dehumanize them a bit and that can feel very objectification-y. <laughs> yes, that's the, the, the technical term for it. Um, but that can be really fun. Another one is like writing on their body. Like um, don't use a permanent marker for this or maybe do, but if you want to use a permanent marker, no, it's going to be really hard to get off. Um, but something like lipstick can be really good. So you can write fuck toy or fuck meat or whore or whatever it is you want to write on their body. That can be really fun as well. So those are some ways that you can start playing in the space, see how it feels, see and and talk to your partner, negotiate beforehand and have a debrief afterwards. Did you like that? What did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? Um, what would you like to do more of, less of, all of those things. The best way to figure out where your boundaries are is by actually workshopping these things question five i think i'm into being naked and humiliated is that weird all right so this is quite relevant to the question and we just talked about um no it's not weird not weird at all uh, as i said our media mainstream media portrays sex in one very very narrow perspective and a more accurate view would show that a huge percentage of the population enjoys this kind of play where you're using negative emotions to get you aroused. And it's really interesting that negative emotions have a very potent ability to arouse us. Not all of us. Um, everyone has different keys to their ignition <laughs> to get their motor running. That was a, that was a bad analogy, but you know what I mean? Um, for some of us, it might be feeling humiliated. For some of us, it might be feeling desired. It might be feeling powerful and masculine. It might be feeling special or taken care of. There's so many different emotions that can get us excited. And there's just as many negative ones as there are positive ones that do this for us. So there's nothing weird about enjoying that at all. For me personally, I love feeling really vulnerable um, and a bit humiliated or exposed. So being naked, stripped naked in front of people feels quite, you know, 
you feel really exposed and vulnerable and um, it feels a bit humiliating. But for me, some of my favourite fantasies involve that kind of play. And more recently, I've actually got to experience scenes where I've been tied up and stripped naked in front of a room full of people and flogged. And that feels just incredible. It's so exciting. But that is all to do with that, like those traditionally negative emotions. But they can be really fun in a sexual context, as long as you're doing it in a safe environment. Wow, I can't believe I've been talking for over half an hour already and I've only answered what, five questions. <laughs> um, all right, I've got two more on my list and I'll try and be a bit more succinct. <laughs> so question number six is how did you discover your kinks? For me, CNC, my um, consensual non-consent kink, has been there for as long as I can remember. So since childhood, honestly, um, it's always been something um, that has excited me, that power dynamic. So I think I actually mentioned this on the first episode of this podcast. I talked about how in primary school, like this is way beyond before I had like that before I was sexually active or even understood sex. But in primary school, I always loved games. Um, like we would play mummies and daddies and I would be the pet and I'd be in a pretend cage. And I was happy with that. I didn't have to, like, I wasn't even interacting much with the other kids, but I liked being in the role of the pet. I liked the feeling of being in a cage. That was really fun for me. And it stayed with me because obviously it's a really important part of my sexual identity. I also liked doing things like wrapping myself up in my blanket, my, my doona, and feeling really constricted. And I would imagine a big giant spider wrapping me up and he was going to have me for dinner later. So while that wasn't a sexual thing at the time, um, it was definitely the seeds of what became my submissive personality. That said... Since I've embraced my kinkiness and been on this journey, I've also discovered a whole bunch of new kinks that really excite me that I never realised I was into. Um, a really obvious one is age play. I've, I've talked about this on the show before. My age play kink was something, well, age play was something that I felt really judgmental of. I thought it was weird and icky and I didn't like it at all. Um, but it's since become... And a really important part of the way I like to play and express myself. I have a little side and I, I love embracing my little self and getting to be my little self with my partner, getting to feel really nurtured and protected. It, it enables us to have a very different style of sex. So typically I like very rough, degrading, violent kind of sex, but in my little little space, that enables me to have much more intimate, um, I guess, loving sex, if that makes sense. Um, if you want to hear more about that, I go into a lot of detail on, I forget which episode it is, but it's called The Case of the Harry Potter Pajamas. It was a couple of weeks ago. Another kink that I've been getting into recently is cock worship. Now, I've, I've always been a fan <laughs> of that particular part of the male anatomy, but um, as I've become more sexually confident and willing to explore different 
uh, facets of my kinky personality, cock worship has shown up as something I really enjoy and get a lot out of. Even my like big kinks like rope play and impact play have only been fairly recent discoveries. I mean, I haven't really had the opportunity to explore them before, but um, since I have tried them, I've found that oh, I really love this kind of play, especially impact play. I mean, I famously said to Slade on our first date that I wasn't into pain. <laughs> and then turns out I was very wrong. Turns out I'm into it. Um, yeah, now I've discovered that pain can be an incredibly pleasurable experience, but that's something I didn't know before. And you only learn this through exploration. So I think we all have our, I guess, core desires. There's these different emotions or feelings that are arousing to us. And I think that is usually something, whether we are aware of it or not, it's something that starts in childhood. But as we progress through our kink journey, ways of experiencing those feelings can change. So for me, where I've got these, I guess, core desires around feeling submissive, feeling vulnerable, feeling desired, feeling degraded, but then I'm getting to experience those feelings in all kinds of different kinky play, whether it's through ropes or CNC or impact play, age play. Um, these are all different types of play that I can enjoy and experience those same core desires of mine. Does that make sense? I feel like, I feel like me saying, does that make sense? Is almost like a catchphrase. I've noticed when I edit, I always say it in every episode. I feel like you could turn this podcast into a drinking game. Every time I say, does that make sense? You take a drink. Uh, things you learn about yourself when you record yourself a lot. But hopefully that answers that question. Um, I'm running out of time, so I'm just going to answer this last one really quickly. It should be an easy one. Um, this question is about my uh, audio production, actually. Do you reuse samples in your audio fantasies? Um, so for those of you who are unaware, I make audio fantasies. So they're kind of like an audio book, but with lots of sound effects and they're really immersive um, and they're based on my fantasies. If you're interested in checking them out, you can find them on my website, harleyrabbit.com. Um, but yes, to make these fantasies, I use a lot of different samples and sound effects. Um, and some of them I reuse, like the really generic ones, like opening a door or undoing a zip or something like that. I've got, I, I will reuse samples from my library for those. Um, but for the sexy scenes, uh, we always do like record unique samples for each story because I feel like that's the most important bit. You don't want to, you don't want to hear the same orgasm sound on every fantasy, right? You want to hear a different one. And they are all different stories. So the um, context of those sounds is very different. All right. So that is all the questions I had written down for today. I hope you have found this episode helpful. Um, I hope that I might have given you some answers to some of your own questions or at least added to your understanding of some of these things. As always, if you have any questions for me, please let me know. Um, that is a big part of why I record this podcast 
is to help people on their journeys. So always willing to hear from you guys about questions or comments or anything like that. All right, till next time, play safe, have fun, and I will talk to you soon. Bye. Turns out I'm into it. Into it. Into it. Thanks for listening to Turns Out I'm Into It. If you've enjoyed this episode, please remember to hit subscribe and leave a rating and review. This will help other people just like you to find this podcast. If you have any comments or questions, you can reach out to me on FetLife or through the Harley Rabbit website. My name on Fet is Harley Rabbit, or one word, or you can message me direct through the website. Go to harleyrabbit.com forward slash podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the show. I will be back soon with another episode exploring the wonderful world of kink.